What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another, I almost said another Saturday night, but what I meant to say was what? another Thursday night. Gentlemen, we are here. We are live. We are ready to steal your soul. You heard that right. Welcome to Thirsty Thursday. I'm going to be your host. My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor Martin, and alongside of me here, we've got Mr. Ryan DeMay and Mr. Ray Ito. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing tonight? Have you started any fires? Is anyone mad fires. at you? No. I mean, should I have started any fires? Is this? Are you going to break into We Can't Start the Fire? Like, are you looking to do like a karaoke we Thursday? Start the fire. Yeah. <laughs> see? See? I got it going. This is like you get a couple of whiskeys in you. I bet you can belt out some tunes. You're like Freddie Mercury, right? You damn right I am. I knew it. Ray, you ever seen karaoke before? I could I could see young <laughs> uh young high BAC Ray getting down with some karaoke. You ever you ever do that, Ray? You ever get crazy? Actually, I think I can do the Without the alcohol. Really? I can do it without the, I can I do it without see, the booze. I see, I see Ray with this. Uh, it, we don't even know it. He's probably got this super high falsetto, and he could probably be in like a Bee Gees cover band or something. Like No, no, no totally way. See it. No, totally no way. See it. You see you see the coconut shrimp girls haven't, haven't been able to haven't been able to chop off my nuts, so I will never sound like that. Or maybe, maybe Prince. I could also see Prince. You are kind of like the Prince of Turf. You do this. You do the stuff that you know nobody was doing. You know, now you know maybe not with all the androgynous outfits and you know the weird colors and stuff like that. I don't see you doing that. But hey, to each their own, right? You do it in your own separate way. You're buttoned down. You got your jeans on. You're the Hilo cowboy, and we're proud of you for it. Speaking yeah, of cowboys, we're up here in Canada, and I am so glad to have my Canadian brethren, right? Which, in most parts of the world, Ohio is in the United States, but if you live in Madison, <laughs> an SEC country, right? If it doesn't, if it doesn't exist in any of, if, if there's not a school that's in the SEC in your state, you might as well be on another continent. Is that accurate? Fair. You damn right. You damn right. Y'all are up there in Canada, but you know what? I love you for it anyway cuz I didn't realize how red uh redneck Canada was until until I met, you know, some choice people. And so I'm very proud to welcome y'all to the United States of America. Gentlemen, we've got Dave on tonight. Dave, talk to us. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What do you do on weekends? How much time have you spent in federal prison? All the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, obviously, I've been in the turf industry for quite a long time and uh, graduated from Ohio State University. I was in the Go golf Bucks. industry for a long time. And uh, basically uh, fell in love with golf at age 12, fell in love with the architecture, the maintenance of it, and uh, pursued this thing my, you know, for 40 years. Um, golf course superintendent up until about 1995 when Toro was uh, launching uh, a division called the BioPro division. 
and a, a very interesting concept that they had uh, where we would uh, basically, well, let me explain this again. They wanted to do high detail feeding on golf courses and uh, use near infrared spectrography or tissue testing as the source of the information that would write a nutrient program on golf courses. So they gave me a lab, a box of research paper, and told me to go, you know, <laughs> help golf course superintendents. And that was a really interesting time. I learned more there than at any point in my career um, because I literally had a mobile lab and would go golf course to golf course and tissue test greens mainly and write nutrient programs based off the tissue test results, the soil uh, test results that the, the latest one they would provide me. And I would, you know, correlate why the soil was uh, set up the way it was into why the tissue was responding uh, the way it was, and then try to come in between with the nutrient program. It, it was a really fascinating time. And it was basically the advent of uh, spoon feeding golf greens. Before that, uh, you know, even as a me as a golf course superintendent, we were uh, using a lot of methylene ureas, uh, Scott's ProTurf products, things like that, and that's how we fed the greens. And it it made it made uh, for a lush green turf when you didn't want it. So hot, humid, thunder showers, wet conditions. The greens were lush. They were doing way more than you wanted to. And we were losing the green speed. So what we were doing was basically teaching superintendents through the use of the tissue uh, lab how to spoon feed for one or two weeks. And that's it. And then go back out, fill the rig up again, look at your weather. and. Uh, Really highly detailed micromanagement of uh, of uh, nutrition in golf, and then since then I've become an applicator. So now I'm working on turf that is higher than seven sixteenths of an inch, mm. and I've been doing that for about the last fifteen years. It's it's funny you you. First off, the BioPro line, I think, came and gone before I got into the industry. But, you know, you talk about methylene urea and, you know, one of the things that I, I remember distinctly going out with all the damn time was uh, I think I was buying from Regal Chemical, Regal Chemical at the time. And uh, and I, I want to say it was called Spider, maybe. And it was a uh, it was a methylene urea product that uh, that that we would spray relatively frequently, and uh, and then there was also a a granular product. I don't remember if we got that from Regal or not though, but it was a granular methylene. So 
we would front load with methylene urea and then spray like uh, this this spider product, which I think was just a relabeled uh, Coke Nitamin at the time, and I uh, and you know we're just spraying that constantly. It's interesting. I I was looking up the uh, the Bio Pro line here and. Uh, some some interesting interesting products here, right? And you see some of these today, and, but I would be curious to look at a label of. If anybody can find a label of one of these, I, w- I would love to go through and look at this. A twelve zero zero with eight percent iron, right? I mean, that sounds like uh, you know any any uh, uh, what is it Turf Max AC or Turf Nectar AC Turf or whatever Nectar. it is? Yeah, uh, a six zero zero though. I don't know what that is. Um, I'm looking at a soil conditioner that increases root activity and, and increases CEC. So I'm thinking there's some sort of humic and kelp deal there, humic, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing. And then a yeah, Bioplex yeah. MP, which, and were all of these private labeled by a collagel? A collagel? Um, it, as I remember, it, 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 Toro bought two companies. Uh, and one of them was down in uh, Florida. Gosh, this is, I mean, this is 30 years ago. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, what? Uh, I forget the name of it. But basically, they, they bought into two companies and then created their product line from that. And really, the most popular product I sold was a product called Tough Greens, which was calcium, silica, and uh, a little bit of boron, and a little bit of potassium. And this was like my number one product that I recommended on greens. um, Because... Like some uh, Greek products there. It, it, you know, it was a precursor to Briggs products. And the whole point of this thing was that we, I got to the point when I was doing this, all this tissue testing and trying to unlock little details on how we can uh, manipulate the cellular makeup of the plant. And uh, it was right at the time where people were starting to spray Primo on their greens. Okay, and you took the product uh, Tough Greens with the silica and calcium. You know, we're thinking a very uh, rigid cell turgor pressure and then hit hit the grass with Primo. It, you didn't even see grass blades anymore. They disappeared, but it was there. <laughs> You know, and and what we got was very hardy grass that, you know, were t- the greens were tough, but it was green speed. There was no friction of the ball rolling across the tip of those little mini plants. And that's, I lived that for about six, seven years, trying to really max out what we could do to manipulate the cell, thus manipulate the plant and produce a healthy 
a durable playing finish and get these guys off the methylene ureas, get them off of the manures, all the things that ruin their summer. And, and get them to think, okay, one week or two weeks, that's what we're going to feed for. And, and it was a fascinating time at, at, during that period. Look okay. At, look at, look at this here. Yeah. They, it, now, it, okay. What do we got here? Sodium silicate. Yep. Yep. I mean, sodium that silicate. is. Um, yeah, sodium silicate. So we were just trying to drive that silica to the cell wall, drive it to the cell wall to give it more strength and, and turgor pressure, get the blade standing up. And these guys would hit it with Primo. It's like, I don't even see a grass blade anymore. And, and, uh, and I think that was kind of the, the beginning of really chasing green speed without beating up the grass to do it. And now they beat up the grass, roll the grass, and do that. And, you know, greens are just phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, what is it? What is it now? The old the old adage is uh brown and fast. Brown, hard, and fast, kind of, kind of, sort of thing. And I mean, I say that that went that went away right. a little while ago, but yeah, you know, I know. Okay, I know. Actually, uh, right. I I no. know it as fast and fiery, because fast uh, and fiery. Be, believe it or not, Dave. Uh, even though I'm a I'm a residential turf person, my background and my approach to turf grass is more like golf turf. I'm a little mm -hmm. bit different. And what you see behind me is actually what's called a bowling green, a lawn bowling okay. green. And that's kept according to similar rules to a putting green in that uh, my, my club members, they're not going to be mad at me if the green is a little bit fast and fiery, but they will get mad if... Uh, the green is overly green and it slows down the bowl. Exactly. So, and, and that even translates down to residential turf because it's, I had to smile to myself a little when you said that you're now worried about keeping grass above seven sixteenths of an inch. For me, yeah. Even on my even on my residential turf, Dave, seven sixteenths to me, I consider that a high cut because right, right. all all my mowing, even on a residential lawn, is done with a full on golf green mower. Yeah, I've been following you for a long time, like on lawn site. And it's like, mm -hmm. this guy, this guy is, <laughs> it's like, that, is that's it where I first is kind of, go ahead. <laughs> this guy is extra. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's done well, all the gateway drugs. That's where I first drugs. came across, yeah, that's where I first kind of came across your name uh, probably 12 years ago. 
It's like, wow, this mm-hmm. dude really now he's taking care of different grass. But man, this guy is real sharp. I mean, dialed in with how to, you know, manage a whole host of problems and come up with a, a solution because that's what you did on that site. You gave you know, people a lot of uh, advice and I also caught a lot of hell for it. I Did caught you? so much. <laughs> yeah, I caught so much hell for it. For what it, for what I said because you see I caught hell for not following dogma. I mean, there was a couple of guys out out there that just gave me shit. You know, all the way down to me being an idiot because I'm running a real mower on residential turf. <laughs> and to that sheep thruster in Montana, <laughs> go eat a bag of dicks. Ray is holding wow. no hard feelings against, uh, I can't even remember his name. What, what was his name, Ray? Skipster. Skipster. Yeah, yeah. I almost said spite. And, and there was spite a, something. And there, and, there, and there was a, there's this granola eater from California. Uh, <laughs> I want him to go to San Francisco and get sodomized. <laughs> I tried to catch it. I try. I tried to catch it. Um, it it's, it's it's funny. You know, if if that was the, um, I guess the acceleration of, uh, you, you know, the way the way greens are managed, I, it, and it's it's funny how different. Uh, I I would say the evolution on the the lawn care side of things is is relatively resistant to all of that, right? Um, mm-hmm. There have been no major shakeups or changes in the way lawn care has been conducted because you know uh, uh, barefoot lawns, which was uh, the precursor to True Green, right, wrote the manual, and it's exi- it was reinforced by Scotts when Scotts got into it. And it's just kind of stayed there. Um, you get a company or two that will come in and shake things up a little bit. Like um, the guy I was talking to in Connecticut was talking about one of the things they used to upsell was uh, was uh, preventative snow mold applications, right? I was like, wow, that's a great idea. That makes perfect sense, right? But in terms of of diverting from the playbook, that is such a small piece of diversion from the playbook that you're just not seeing anything wild or extraordinary. You may come across a wild person, a la Ray, for instance, but you're not going to come across a gigantic industry shift, I feel like, up to this point. Well, to to take that a step further, you know, I spent close to a decade on what I thought was cutting-edge stuff. And... I jumped into long grass and I'm doing it. I do a really good job. I have a big customer base. They love what I do. I need to do more for them, but I'm doing it old fashioned. I I feel like I, you know, if if they had lawn care in 1940s, this is how they would be doing it. So, with that, that's kind of why I'm on here is I want to talk about the future of lawn care and the future of 
how we think about, you know, provide, we both want, like, my customer and I have an allegiance. We want the same thing. Beautiful, healthy grass. That's it. Green, healthy. Maybe I can do it, do it a different way that is, fits into efficiencies. And last week, Matt, you talked about the price of, uh, you know, commodity, urea, all this stuff is going up. If you've been following the news, the supply chain, the labor market, there is so much pressure to be innovative and think futuristically. And the first question I have, which is going to be this oddball question for Ray. Ray, I've got a 50-pound bag of my typical fertilizer. I get great results with it. 65% of that 50-pound bag is SGN-230 limestone. How long until that limestone becomes a cation to displace hydrogen off the site because at this point I'm taking you know I do 50 tons of uh, fertilizer a year I'm doing 28 30 tons of rock hauling and dumping on lawns I think that that is it 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 just is stupid this okay. is a different way you know, Dave, that's where I'm at because in my location, if you told me that I had to buy a bag of something that was 60% limestone, which, by the way, either will aggravate my alkalinity or else if I need the calcium from it, it's not going to break down for the next two, three, or four years if I'm lucky. Yeah. Uh, no. I wouldn't do it. And that's kind of why early on, other than immediately soluble homogeneous granules, from the start of my turf career, I've always sprayed my fertilizer. Mm -hmm. That's just not negotiable. I've always sprayed it. Uh, I've gone into mesaline urea, but mesaline urea. Do you know how I use my mesaline urea? Tell me. It is simply to extend my nitrogen response because I get most of my nitrogen response out of products such as ammonium sulfate and potassium nitrate and maybe even mm -hmm. some, some what they call ammonium nitrate sulfate, which has come on the market in the last uh, 10 years, and I personally love that product. But the whole point is, is that with, by balancing your slower release products with your immediate release, you avoid that situation where you've dumped a whole bunch of slow release stuff and you don't see it right now or you don't see it quickly, but it catches up to you a month later and you, and you regret it a month later. I don't get into yeah. that situation, but that's because exactly. I very, 
I very carefully blend and I, I've even used something called Umax. Yeah. Okay. Which, which, which is stabilized urea and mm -hmm. the stabilization delays when that urea turns into ammonium and then nitrate. But the way I use that is the same way in that there's a very sharp drop off when your end source is ammonium sulfate, ammonium nitrate, uh, or else potassium nitrate. So by putting that U, you know, Umax in there, I come up with a blend that is what I call a lot more lawn care friendly. Now, Ray, when it, it, I haven't quite figured out, are you also managing the mowing on these properties? Totally. Okay, totally. so you need to manage uh, your, you know, how much clipping you're yielding. And uh, so you have to dial this thing in. The customer wants green, thick lawn. Actually, they want it short and thin. Okay. They want it short and thin. That's that's okay. what that's what the call is for. <laughs> okay, so you know you, you're you're trying to put the whole, uh, and I'm sure you've done done it, figured it out years ago, but it it's in a a practice. So you're at these properties every week. Every week to every fourteen days, I'm there. Okay. And then you can make a management decision uh, on nutrients because you have to be there to mow it. You so you're able to respond, you know, on each individual property. You may, you know, I got to get the sprayer out right now. Yeah, I got to get. I got. I I got to you know make my application. Uh, I have to hammer down with the PGR. Because, by the way, I use a lot of PGR as well. Okay. I'm wow. A heavy, yeah. I'm a heavy PGR user. <laughs> well, but, that, go ahead. I didn't mean to get but, go. No problem. But the foundation for that is I first dial in my irrigation and my N first. You see, PGR is never intended to be a get-out-of-jail card because I'm overdoing my nitrogen and my water. Mm -hmm. You see, I consider that basically a fail. If I look at a yeah. lawn and I say, oh, no, I shouldn't have put down that uh, AMS uh, so heavy. Now I have to regulate the damn thing. You know, I don't You're practice like that. <laughs> You're using the regulation to transfer energy that normally would go. I, I mean, I'm I've been studying this in long grass, it, mm -hmm. using PGR to transfer energy, and it's not going to work for me. So, uh, you know, I just can't keep. You know, I, I'm hoping to be at, at a monthly schedule for my, uh, what I call my class A lawns. The lawns that they're, you know, the budget isn't a big thing. They just want real nice. And uh, I, you know, I kind of studied the idea of doing a 
the PGR for energy transfer and, uh, you know, really help utilize the plant healthcare through a PGR. It's not going to work. So my latest thing that I've been studying here, which is where the whole crowd and kind of the, the, the idea I brought in was the idea of going out with a five, six month base nitrogen, plastic coat nitrogen, a surf coat, pound and a half, wow. pound Let's, and a wow. half in the spring. Let's let's dive into this. Um, so mm -hmm. you know, I put together a series of, of different images for us to take a look at. And we, we can all kind of talk through this. Uh, Jay Pink, if you want to throw up the first one here, um, the the product that you use right now that that is you know, 65 percent rocks. Uh, is it does it contain any slow release? About. 50, you know, typically summer, I'm about a 50 uh, PCS um, SCU. Now, I okay. start the year off with, and it, it just works great uh, because I do a really heavy fall, two heavy apps in the fall, and all my yards are beautiful in the spring. I, went, I don't dare want to put fertilizer on them until May. Uh, but I got to get out there and get the prodiamine down. So I use a 40, it's a 16% nitrogen, uh, 16.24 with 45% uh, biosolid because I it, that isn't going to kick in for a while. And another 25% PCSU. So I'm about 75%, 80% you know, real slow release in the spring because I don't want it to be more than it already is. So that's so, how it starts. And then I'm... Well, we got a... I think he tried. We got a freeze here. Yeah. That's uh, that's not on us. Okay. We'll give, we'll, we'll give him a second to, to we'll talk here. We'll riff on that. No. No, listen, listen, listen. So, okay, Matt, real quick on the biosolids thing. I know what Ray feels like, right? Like, okay, yeah. Oh, there you right, go. Okay, right. we're back. We're back. We're back. Go on. Go on. Yeah. Your video is still frozen, Dave, but your audio is not. Your audio is good. Oh, oh, he might be dropped. Dave, you, you may have again. to refresh your browser and, uh, and see Here if he you is. can. Oh, there he goes. Oh, oh he is. and we're back. <laughs> and we're frozen. All right, we'll talk. We'll talk a little bit about the biosolid thing. Um, and so I have no inherent issues, just through and through, with biosolids. Uh, in terms of it being an organic matter source, it's fine. Combining it in this method with uh, with. What I like about this product is that it is a diversification of nitrogen sources and uh, release times, right? You've got, in one instance, uh, is, is going to be quick release, right? Which makes perfect sense. Um, in another instance, you have slow release derived from PCSEU. And pretty much all PCSEU on the market right now is Coke Agronomics, which is now Allied Nutrients XCU. 
Um, and this was the the um, kind of the answer to sulfur coat ureas, which ran into to issues with uh, fertilizer dumping that we were so familiar with that if if anybody in the in the mid two thousands or even the late two thousands went out with a sulfur coated urea and you know put down a pound and a quarter of it and watched your lawn absolutely smoke like you dump ammonium nitrate on it. Uh, after a rain, well, it's that was kind of the the nature of SCU. It would just it would dump and fail, right? And so Coke's answer to that was this PCSCU technology. Uh, you also see it as Poly Plus over at Lesco, um, and uh, and effectively it's a dual layer, right? Where you have a sulfur inner layer and then a uh, a polymer uh, outer layer. And the idea is that you get this um, uh, part of it occurs through diffusion. The release occurs through diffusion, right? So water makes its way in. It begins to dissolve things. Uh, it begins to swell. Um, it fractures the sulfur layer and then will slowly diffuse out of that polymer. Eventually, the polymer will burst and also the sulfur will break down in and release into the soil as well. So... This was kind of like the the new later grader sulfur coated urea that came out, um, and it's it's still pretty much dictated by water, right? Um, I, not quite the amount of influence that over, over temperature, but you're also limited in terms of how long this product will release, right? So, in effect, you're probably only going to get 30, maybe 40 days of release out of this. And that's not the difference between 30 and 40 days of color response. Because remember, you can go apply a straight urea and get roughly 30 days of color out of it, assuming you have a good soil pH and everything else looks fine in the soil, right? So you know, this is going to be a 30 to 40 day release. So in there, you could probably expect somewhere like a 40 to 50 day color response, maybe 60 if conditions are just absolutely perfect with it in terms of color response. But this was, was you know, kind of that initial thing. So if you're looking at your bag of fertilizer, you see polymer coated sulfur coat on it or poly plus or XCU on it. This is what you're dealing with. You can expect, you know, a 40, 50 day color response out of it. Um, and you're managing your nitrogen for about that long. Where this tends to fail is going to be periods of excess rain. Uh, you're going to dump uh, urea in that particular instance, right? So if you're on above average rainfall, then you're going to have an above average release curve. And all of a sudden, it may release in 15, 20 days. Here's another thing to take into consideration. If this fractures, uh, if a krill if a prill gets uh, crushed, if you walk across the bag of fertilizer and it, and it causes damage, it's going to dump. That polymer coating on the outside has been uh, manipulated and it's no longer together. It will dump. So not the most advanced uh, uh, slow release technology out there. Definitely not the longest lack, uh, lasting. However, in terms of dollars and cents, this is the cheapest slow release option we have on the market right now. Uh, it's cheaper than going out with uh, with you know, biosolids, depending on where you get your biosolids. But per unit of in, this is going to be your cheapest slow release option you've got on the market right now. And why it's effectively in just about every off-the-shelf lawn care fertilizer 
that you can find anywhere. Um, and Ryan, go ahead and talk about the direction you were going to go with biosolids. I think it makes sense. And I am 100% not against if you were making monthly visits or six-week interval visits on a lawn care type of program, I have no issue with people incorporating biosolids or poultry manure or any kind of organic matter into their program uh, to diversify in sources and also diversify uh, release curve from the product. I agree with that. I don't think there's any any doubt that diversifying your sources then you know, the things I start to think about then is, okay, number one, can we then isolate and tell which source is giving us response when, right? Because if we change the, you know, change the ratios within that product, right, of our derivatives, and then we get a slightly different response, well, what caused it, right? Was it pulling back on the biosolids and pushing forward on the XCU or uh, just the straight mineral urea that we might have in that product or what have you, right? So, um, I, I would just say if you're going to mix and match within the same bag, generally speaking, is, you know, try to be consistent, at least season to season or round to round, app to app, year to year, so that you can compare and contrast the type of performance that you're getting. Uh, Biosolids, I don't have a problem with them either, necessarily. I just know that, um, you know, it's a little bit in vogue because people can kind of take that, you know, and you'll see people say, oh, it's organic. Well, no, it's not really organic. It's natural. Well, it's kind of natural, right? But not completely. But it's an excellent use of a byproduct, right? In these, you know, uh, circular economy things that we talk about on Burn and Return, right? By the way, shameless plug, uh, patreon.com forward slash Burn and Return. Go check us out. Airport beer, buy us one, listen, watch, enjoy. Now, um, you know, the, the thing there is that, you know, like you've said, it's cheap filler, right? And it's you know, admittedly better than limestone. It's got, you know, it's going to have, um, you know, a lower bulk density, which is going to fill up the bag quicker. So I don't know. I mean, is it, you tell me this, right, Matt, from a fertilizing, a fertilizer blending standpoint, and Ray, you can jump in here too. Is this sort of an ends of the mean or means of the end or an ends of the mean that we've got a cheap source. It fills the bag up. It's got some, some agronomic benefit that we can claim, right? and everybody's happy at the end of the day or is this really like hey this is the best thing that we can put in here right now based on you know the options we have available and the price point that we need to be in all that kind of stuff i mean what is the driving motivating factor here it's all right it, it, really this is what it comes down to right um if you have the option of filling your bag of fertilizer with rocks or with an organic material and you're managing two, three, four inch tall grass, 100%, the advantage is to the organic matter. It just is. Now, conversely, if you're managing half inch tall Bermuda grass uh, or uh, you know a hundredth of an inch tiff eagle, it's not to your advantage, right? Neither of those are to your advantage. You can't afford to have rocks down and you can't afford to, to apply the organic matter either. So, in a lawn care type setting, in my opinion, it, it has enough of a positive benefit. And here, here's the other thing, too, is that these big fertilizer blenders, do you know what they're paying for biosolids? Good. Class I mean, A EQ biosolids. 90, 100 bucks a ton. Yeah. The cost of freight. So get it, get it out for, of the face. For them, what they get to do is uh, instead of paying 
$150, $200 a ton for rock, uh, they can take something that's $90 to $100 a ton, blend it in, increase the value of their product, make a little money up where they they lose on price fluctuations of urea and MAP, DAP, and uh, potash, right? And it helps balance the books a little bit, and it's a win for the applicator. And from the applicator perspective, the applicator then gets to market themselves differently, right? They get to alter the message that they tell from the playbook that True Green wrote, right? True Green wrote the playbook that, you know, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And now all of a sudden, this gives the competitive advantage to the applicator to say, I do things differently. Uh, somebody asked, are all biosolids used in the U.S. manufacturing in the U.S.? Yes. We are not importing biosolids that I have ever seen. I, that would be a huge no-no, and that would get people sent to jail uh, more than likely. There's, there's a lot of risk involved there. Um, so, no, you would never see biosolids from outside the United States making it to the U.S. Can I add that the biosolid isn't, for me, it's, it's just a delay of having nitrogen. The way I run my uh, first round, you know, I would, I kind of want something going to, uh, you know, I'm going to run out of steam from my yep. late season feed about the end, about the first of May. So the idea is to really slow down and delay uh, the nitrogen I'm putting down the end of March. I really don't want anything happen. So with the cool soils. I think we froze oh, again. No. Yeah. We froze again. Yeah, I had right. some technical difficulties here. But that in that okay. in that instance there, that makes perfect sense, right? So you're capitalizing on uh, uh, soil temperatures and soil moisture to induce the mineralization and the long-term, facilitate the long-term release of the biosolids, right? So you've got a quick product, you've got a 45-day product, and then you've got a 60 to 90-day product all combined in one. Makes perfect sense. I've got nothing against that. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, and that's that's a way to do it. Conversely, you know, I'll put an, another option in front of you, you know, and this is where we'll dial back into your old tried and true favorite, methylene urea, right? Methylene urea is going to function the exact same way, uh, close to exactly the same way as, uh, as a biosolid would in terms of nitrogen release, right? Um, a little bit different because you've got different lengths of carbon chains that go there. You've got some fraction of it that's going to be cold water soluble you got a fraction of it that'd be hot water soluble and then a fraction of it that's 100 insoluble at all um the difference is is that this is a product that's going to cost a thousand dollars a ton eleven hundred dollars a ton in bulk you know commodity type price versus a biosolid that is going to give is uh you know um, um you know 90 to 100 dollars a ton right but you're also dealing with something that's going to deliver anywhere between 30 and 40 units of nitrogen and something that's only going to deliver you between three and yeah, three to maybe six units of nitrogen, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so your cost per acre, right? So let's just do the math on that real quick. Let's just say that retail, right? I'm going to buy that at, what do you think, 125 a ton? If I'm just buying straight, I'm just thinking like uh, Top Cut, you know, from Spring Valley. I can't even think of what that is right now. Let's just say, I don't know. Give me a number, Matt. Come on. Price is right rules. Don't be over. For, <laughs> uh, for, for, for what? Biosolids? A ba- a ba- yeah, a bag of four, you know, four, four, zero. Uh, ten, ten bucks back in bags. Oh, it's going to be more than ten bucks. We'll call it twelve. We'll call it more than that. Let's call it yeah, twelve. You're so, right, you're, right, you're right. Yeah. My cost, dog. My cost. All right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> so, 480 oh, a ton, Price is right? wrong, bitch. Yeah. Bom, 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 bom. <laughs> Ray, how do you like, how do you like the braces right while well, I'm doing the math here? Is it, a, is it a good game show for you? If you had to be on, this is a great Ray question. This is part of a, by the way, if you are a Patreon, I got to plug this too. If you are a Patreon, next week we have a gift, a, an absolute gift because we just hit 25 subscribers on our Patreon for patreon.com forward slash burn return. We are doing an Ask Me Anything. I'm going to preview that right now by asking my friend Ray Ito. Ray, if you could go on any game show and be a contestant, anyone in the world, past or present, what would it be? My first inclination for you would be Fear Factor, but I'm also not sure. I don't know. No, absolutely, absolutely not. Hell no. You and Joe Rogan Hell, are Fear no. Factor. I think it'd be a great ninety day movie. fiance. No, I'd actually like. I would actually, I would actually kill it on the Prices Right. Okay. I would be. I would be killing it on the prices, right? Okay, that's funny. Okay, so here we go. Uh, half a pound divided by point oh four, four point five times. So yeah, so we're looking at. Oh, what is this here? About a hundred and twenty bucks, you know, an acre to get a half a pound out on our biosolids, right? Now let's go with a straight methylene urea product, thirty-four zero zero. That's going to be about forty-two bucks a bag. Might be overdoing it a little bit. Might be overcooking it here, but that's okay. So forty-two. We've got so that bag. I gotta key it in. I gotta key it in my fancy keyboard. So price is right. That's interesting, right? Very, very interesting. Sixty-four. So you're at. Uh, okay, here's your difference, Matt and Ray. Hundred and twenty-ish an acre on the biosolid. You're at about uh, fifty-two bucks an acre on your methylene. So you're still saving seventy dollars an acre. By going with something that costs twelve hundred dollars a ton versus or a thousand dollars a ton versus something that costs five hundred dollars a ton, right? So Correct. right, you you know it it all it all comes down to the math, the appropriate math, right? Because you can shade up that math as much as you want, and you can claim a bag rate on those biosolids of three pounds per thousand all you want, but really when it comes mm. down to actual units of nitrogen, uh, which is in the real world how we do math. Well, sometimes um, when it comes down to actual units of nitrogen, that's how that plays out. Right. So. That's how I learned it in tertiary I would, math. So. No. And, ahead, and I would also uh, careful. look at the, look at the, look at the factor of, I can predict 
how nestling your ear is going to act. I can predict it, you know. I, you know, because I know that it does not need extremely high moisture content or extremely high temperatures to kick off like a biosolid. Whereas biosolids, biosolids have screwed me in the past. Lay dormant for months. And then, yeah, okay, Ryan, biosolids are like the nice girl that you meet at the bar. However, when she takes you home, you're the one that's hogtied and hanging in the middle of the room. (laughs) Oh, boy. So in Ray's world... (laughs) Biosolids are the ball gag, ladies and gentlemen, of nitrogen sources. That's what he's trying to tell you, right? Put it on, and at some yes. point, it's just going to sound like oh, 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 like that. Okay. So, all that being said, um, so Dave, what you missed? We were kind of doing a, a price comparison here between the biosolids. Like, if we were just looking at biosolids and just looking at a methylene urea, I don't know if Dave's still there. <laughs> he just he's dropping in a. Okay, we're just talking about end sources. We're going to pretend, here's here's what we're going to do from this point forward, ladies and gentlemen. Dave wants to do, wants to know, is there a possibility that you can change the business model to be a low input, I shouldn't say low input, uh, low labor or, you know, fewer applications with better nitrogen efficiency? And can you build a business around that? We've kind of touched on this topic before and don't know that we've ever really like got in depth with it. So. Here you're going to have three wildly different views. I can tell you that before we even start this conversation, that Matt is in a part of the country where this could be very dicey. Ray is in a part of the country where it could work some times of the year and not so much in others. And, you know, Ray's just not the person that's ever going to do this, right? Like, you know, Ray's not going to buy a knife sharpener off Amazon that sticks his knives in and, and sharpens it, right? You're going to do it the old-fashioned way, right, Ray? You're a man, you're a man of the steel, right? Tiffany, oil if you're stone. watching, yeah, oil stone. <laughs> you know she does it. I do the... too, dog. She usually mm-hmm. does it right up against each side, of the, right up each side of the sternum, each side of the sternum, right? <laughs> this side, this side. Here we go, Tiffany. If you're watching, I'm sorry. You're a great girl. Okay. Um. So, here's yeah, my and... question. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just going to say, to interrupt you, I feel like we need to do a broad dive into the options of slow release in options. I think that's a good place to start. What do we have to work with, right? What are the technologies that are available to us? What is going to work in these situations? You know, the one question I was going to ask Dave, and this would be my first question to anybody that was thinking about doing this or really using, you know, picking their slow release, right? You guys can tell me if you think differently, but my first question would be, are you going to be using this on only irrigated lawns or only unirrigated lawns or both? Because that would drive my decision a little bit in terms of which one I was going to pick for irrigated versus non-irrigated. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, so let's take this to uh, kind of the uh, the, the next uh, uh option here and we'll talk hey, about DeMay. polymer coated urea demay yeah. dave says both 
both unirrigated and un- irrigated and both irrigated and unirrigated. He's he's okay. efforting to reboot everything, and he'll be back. Can he do a call-in? Can we patch him through on a call-in? Would that be easier? Uh, if this doesn't work, that's what we're gonna do. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, uh, uh if you pull up the next one after methylene urea here, I and we'll just kind of talk about uh, uh, polymer coated urea. And when I'm talking about polymer coated urea, I'm I'm <laughs> lumping a lot of things into here, and there's some variation that occurs between these. It gets into stuff that I don't even understand. You know, like for instance, um, uh, if you've ever heard of polyon, if you've ever heard of duration. Uh, Purcell has their own technology and Diamond K, a pure coat, I think what is what that is. Um, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm lumping all of those into kind of one, right? Uh, because it's, there's the, the differences between them are relatively <clears throat> low. But the idea is that you, you have this polymer layer on the outside, right? And these tend to be more heat driven in terms of the rate at which they release the water will move inside begin to dissolve the urea it will swell and heat tends to dictate the release of it if i understand it all correctly that's how how you will get that that release that moves its way out right so with this where you can run into some wild variance in terms of the release is going to be your temperature, right? You're, because yeah. the, some of these are, are uh, temperature dependent, but also the weight of the coating on the outside. And I'll, to put this into perspective, if you've ever, ever heard of duration 45, duration 90, duration 120, duration 180, right? That all is a signifier to the weight of the, uh, the the coating that exists on the outside of the urea. Now, like we talked about with PCSEU and XEU, if these prills are damaged, you will get a dump. The release curves that these products are defined on are typically done so at uh, 86 degrees Fahrenheit is where I typically see m- most of these performed at, right? and um, like, for instance, if you go ahead and go to the next slide here, um, you'll see Actually, this is, this is, what's that, Ray? Matt, Matt, uh, I believe the uh, release curves are figured on, I believe, 70 degree soil temperatures. And the reason okay, why it, I say 70 is because you see all of this, uh, you know, 45 day, Coating, for example, in my area, I call that a 30-day. Uh, the 80-day coating, I call that a 45-day. And 120-day coating, I call that a 60-day coating. And uh, better pray to the gods that I don't cut it with my mower or groomer. <laughs> I don't cut the granule. <laughs> Look at, look, look at this. We've got, we've got real turf truth. We've got jokey, jokey turf truth in the, in the chat tonight. This is on fire, gentlemen. This is absolutely on fire. Is this going to finally qualm the suggestion that I'm, I'm turf truth? No, it's only going to make it worse. Is it only going to make it worse? Yeah. Okay. We've got <laughs> two in the chat right now. And that is, that is interesting. Somebody said, oops, wrong account. Uh, 
Okay, yep. so Ray, you're talking about that, and that's because it's rated on a 70 degree. When I was uh, putting all this together, I felt like I saw 86 a couple of times. Oh, oh, <laughs> actually, I got another slide that does have temperature on here. Um, I am J Pink. If you skip two and go to the third one from where we are right now. Uh, basically, these are just showing release, release curves based on the weight of the polymer coating. But here we go, right? This is temperature influence on a 120-day ECU. And this coincides with I, almost identically to what Ray said here, right? So it looks like that 120 is formulated you know, somewhere between that 68 and 86 range. But you can see you have released almost 90% of the nitrogen. We've got three in the chat now. Boys, we have gone. This is getting out of control. This is getting us. <laughs> we have a no BS turf in the chat now. They probably real mow uh, half inch uh, St. Augustine. Shout out to those guys, by the way. My old buddy hey, that's that's out there doing that. <laughs> I, I heard I heard that the, the Turf Truth program was just five rounds of freedom for call it a year, guys. Isn't that right? <laughs> Am I right? Yep. Am I right? <laughs> Red, you are white, totally blue, right. Baby. <laughs> but but this graph this this graph right here kind of talks about you know what I was seeing because actually oh, let's see, I don't have it in front of me. Well, what is 68F in Celsius? And the reason why I say this is because is because I'm familiar Canada. with, yeah, Canada, but, but anyway. 20 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Okay, 20 degrees Celsius, because I'm familiar with another line of products made by ICL. You know what ICL makes too? Osmocote. And Osmocote is something that I'm very familiar with in the uh, nursery production and even crossing over into the horticultural maintenance uh, segment where people spread osmocote rather than spoon-feed 111 soluble, for example. Now, and However, correct me if I'm wrong, is osmocote effectively like a polymer coating that is then coated with a paraffin wax, if I understand that correctly? I believe that's correct. Okay. Yes, true, true. And they meet Osmocotes to release either on a 45 day, 60 day, 90, 120, or even 180. And it's on a base 20C, I believe. Base 20 Celsius. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and, that, and that's where uh, if a grower here in Hawaii wants to use uh, Osmocote, uh, he'd better spend the money and get the 120 or the 180 or else man is going to be in for a ride because the thinner coatings are just going to flash and then be gone. Yeah, so, you know, in this idea here that and why I wanted to, to put up this chart and, and talk about this is you have to understand that if these are the, if we are a, a function of temperature at the release here, right, you 
have to understand that off uh, uh, you, you you have to have predictable weather patterns i would say right because if you mm-hmm. run into a stretch and i'll and i'll talk about pennsylvania i don't think it was this past season but the season before pennsylvania ran into one of those situations where they were 90 degrees in like may and they were going through <laughs> extreme drought if if i recall correctly i remember talking to uh, nate who we had on the show out of it uh, Nate Alleman, uh, bare, barefoot lawns mm-hmm. up in, uh, in yes. Pennsylvania. Great guy. Um, but you know, everything shut down and went completely dormant from like May through July, if I recall correctly. And they were experiencing extreme heat. When you are spending the money on one of these products like that, and you have a weather anomaly, obviously that's not the norm. Then you run the risk of dumping dumping in. Now, if you don't have the water to coincide with it, that may actually kind of save you in that scenario too, though, right? Uh, because you need water yes. for release and you need temperature for release. So if you don't have both of those coming together in synchronization, then one might save you from the other. But say you're trying to irrigate your way out of this, but you know, you're consistently 90, 95 degree days. You don't have 100% perfect coverage. You've only got parts of the yard that are green and you're dumping in those areas that can create a bit of a headache for you as well, too. So you're not. We should have Dave on the line, by the way. Do what? Dave's on the line. Dave, are you there? I want the highest tech program I could possibly come uh, (laughs) come up with, but I can't log into a computer. So, yeah, yeah, we want to. We want to we want to upsell that snowmold program so that you can get the gigabit internet. <laughs> we're gonna do that for you. By God, God willing, we're gonna make it happen. Hey, so so what did I? Oh, uh, we just we just said um, since Turf Truth's in here, we said we're just gonna do five apps of Freedom Fert and call it a year. So just order your truckloads now, get the deals while you can, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll go forward from there. Okay, so. <laughs> You know, kind of what we were talking about was temperature relative to release, right? And um, yep. particularly yep. for the polycoated products here, a fantastic graph that's up on the screen right now, you know, showing, you know, sort of those trajectories of the curves, right? That, you know, where we go as we heat up, right? And you can see just how steep yep. that curve is at 86F as compared to 50F. So, you know, the things to consider here, and that was the one reason I asked about irrigated versus unirrigated, and Matt made the great point here, is that, you know, I Ray, I don't know what your feelings are. Certainly interested to hear your opinion. I know where Matt likes to use methylene urea. He likes to do it at the end of the year, so it sits there and he looks like a freaking hero in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, I know your game, Martin. I know how you work. I know how you know you got everybody on the block fawning over those uh, Matt Martin lawns, and they're like, "Gosh darn man, who's treating that lawn over there?" Is that that, <laughs> is that, that, is that, that Cam lawn? Honey, get the get the Val Pack coupons we got in the mail. I want you to go ahead and call him. We'll get you that thirty dollar app. We'll get free one. And I'm gonna write him a check inside the house in the nude. Like, yeah, that's another burner return <laughs> thing. You were really mixing the match in here. I am anyway. Sorry, I can't help myself. Um, what, what? So, it, it, so some, some of the fault I'm doing. Go ahead. I, no, no, no go ahead. Run. You're good. No, you're good. Go ahead. Um, um, some of the. You know, the only place that I I know of that is using this with pretty good 
success is some golf course superintendent. Um, and they're running fairways. They're actually doing a uh, product called One and Done, where they're putting out their, uh, you know, season-long fertilizer with a celeprim. And yeah. they're doing really, doing really what they really like that product. Now, they're also running, you know, uh, trim it, uh, cutlass, but they're doing mm-hmm. those more for maintaining the, uh, holding off the POA uh, uh, trivialis invasion in, in POA in, invasion. And so they're kind of using it uh, to manipulate the, uh, you know, the actual turf coverage, bentgrass turf coverage. Now, I do know an applicator in my area that uses this. And I got to tell you, I, I I think his lawns look pretty darn good, you know, throughout the entire summer. And I, I, I don't think he sells it well. I don't think he follows up. Uh, you know, my big thought is that, I kind of want to use this as like a, you know, like if you were going to do a painting, you know, with a canvas, you're going to put a foundation, you know, background like the old Bob, uh, Bob Ross videos and and use that. So it's kind of like always there, but not too much. And then come in with your regular five application program and and get on it with your spray program and add you know like ray does he shows up he's he's going to do his uh, uh maintenance work and he he might make a decision well you know what i need a little bit more of this out of that and so that's kind of what i'm uh, i'm thinking because the customers that i picked up from the guy that uh uses a one app system is that there's not enough follow-up. Well, I, uh, you know, I think it's a that's good easily, opportunity to get. That's Go easily ahead. corrected, though. That's easily corrected, though. I mean, so you're just saying that they feel like, hey, you showed up once, I paid you whatever, five hundred bucks, I don't know, right? And you're gone for yeah. well, the summer. I, yeah, huh. and it, it, allegedly they're going out and spraying some weeds and things, but go out there and do something that they can visually say, hey. The flag's in the yard, you know, two days later, it's even greener. That, that's I, you know, kind of... Go ahead, Ray, because there's, uh, there's a whole bunch I want to say, cause I, I, but I want you to go first. Go for it. Okay. If You know how I always harp about pH and micronutrients, Dave? You know yep. how I'm always harping on that? Yep. You see... You know why? Because I'm using pH and micronutrients to get my color. I don't chase color by putting down nitrogen. I mean, I just don't, do not, do not, do not. uh, So, like, what I'm doing is say somebody tells me, hmm, lawn's looking a little peaked. Uh, So then at that point, I'll load up the sprayer with some chelated iron and micronutrients. hit it and grass turns green and everybody's happy. It, right. Especially everyone's me, happy. Especially me because I'm not creating 
a problem for myself by overdoing my nitrogen in the name of getting the grass greener. And conversely, the customer is happy because they get this, you know, weird lawn that doesn't look like it's growing a lot, but it's green versus they're all familiar with the over-fertilized lawn because that's the lawn that you literally cannot keep up with the mowing. Yeah, and I'm not in charge of the mowing. And, and, uh, you know, when I put in a new lawn, I've got probably 50, 60 of them in. And I don't do the mowing, but I can control who mows it. And so I've got a network of uh, guys that do mowing. And just getting them trained how I want it mowed, what height I want it. I mean, it took a year for one guy to figure out that, you know, you're cutting at three and a quarter inch. And, and, and he goes, but I'm set at, you know, three, three, seven, five. And I go, but measure mm-hmm. the blade. Go, go and measure the blade. And here he had never aired up the tires since he rolled it off the showroom floor. It's like your tire pressure was down. And and so the whole mowing part of this this matrix, it, the health of the grass completely depends on it. The growth rate, the mowing height, the mowing frequency. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking at it is that I, I don't want grass blowing onto the ground just to make it green. And this year I did an experiment uh, on my Kentucky bluegrass lawn. And it, it was the lowest amount of nitrogen I've ever applied in June. Um, you know, I'll fertilize really well in the fall, heavy, heavy fall application, and let that thing run until I see that it's, a, you know, it's just not growing. It just doesn't have that vitality and color. And that's usually about the first or second week of June. I don't fertilize any of my grass in the springtime. And then this year I put, I'm going to say four tenths, five tenths of a pound uh, with, uh, you know, the 50% um, poly, uh, uh, poly coated uh, sulfur coat. And I ran four months on that with tweaking the color once a month with micros, uh, some humix, fulvix, uh, you know, just spoon feeding it and just had the healthiest, greenest lawn I've had all year. And that that's kind of where I'm thinking. This, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I want to proceed in the future and not haul all that rock all season long. Just be married to hauling bags of rock yeah, yeah it's, I mean, it's, it's astounding. So I'm going to Go think ahead. about this just out loud and and just kind of walk through it. Um, so my thought on that is in the fall, making those applications, you're capitalizing on uh, the, the soil temperature, right? As soil temperatures begin to decline, um, you tend to have increased stability out of your nitrogen. Um, yeah, yeah. A, a, a wild kind of generalization there, but for the most part, as your soil temperatures decline, you get increased uh, uh, or, or a decrease of volatility out of your nitrogen. Leaching is still a thing, but 
I digress. That's where we are. So you're you're able to capitalize on that, and uh, and and you're not really having to worry about surge growth a whole lot there because you don't have the temperature to support the surge growth, right? So you do get a lot of carryover from there into the spring. You let that carryover continue your your color response into the um, uh, into the spring, right? And then where you have yep. to go down again, you've exhausted what exists in your soil, and you have to go down again. You know, the, the idea, the name of the game is managing that surge growth, right? And yep. if you feel like you're getting too much surge growth out of that product with rocks, then 100%, it makes sense to consider like a product, like a one app. And uh, uh, J-Pink, I've got a, uh, a an actual label, not a spec sheet, but a label um, here that's going to have a, uh, it'll be a 30.015 here. <laughs> And this is a sports turf uh, one app product. So as you can see here, it's got a fraction of quick release nitrogen. It's got uh, 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 potassium from potassium nitrate. You, what 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 a what a rare potassium source to see in a bag of fertilizer. And you've got these polycoated ureas. And and what we have here is duration CR that we were just looking at and. I can tell you that from dissecting these products, you're going to see a range of different duration CRs in this, you know, of that uh, upwards of 120 day release out of it. They may even go 180 in, in some of these products. I didn't look at all of That's them. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah. 180. Yeah, and, and so you, you're applying another product that is going to give you an initial color response and is going to give you a drip feed of nitrogen over an extended period of time. And where you're in an area where you're not going to be blasted by 100 degree temperatures and in what's most important is going to be your nighttime <laughs> temperatures. You're not going to have 80 degree nighttime temperatures that are going to allow for a significant amount of dump in this scenario where you're going to run into significant amounts of surge growth and then your uh your your program's up in arms, right? Because it's growing to holy hell. You're having to cut off, you know, you're mowing once a week and you're cutting off four inches, you, you're yeah. just, you're, the likelihood of you running into that is slim to none. And that up frees you up. Uh, the, the, you're not hauling rock. You're applying actual nutrients with this bag of fertilizer. I, I guarantee you, I haven't done the math on it, but I guarantee you that this bag is about as close to 100% fertilizer as you can get. Uh, I can math that out and confirm that. And so you're not hauling rock, you're applying all nutrients and that frees you up during the summer months. You've got, you've got plenty of in release coming here. You've got uh, all the in you could possibly need that is going to manage that surge growth. Right. And then that frees you up to do the other types of things that you want to do to give you that trickery. Right. If you want the, the blue green color for the micronutrients, exactly. it frees you up with the app time and the app space and the tank space to be able to go do that. Somebody's asking here, do the app rates stay the same? Well, this is where it gets into trickery, right? No, they do yeah, not because there is still <laughs> a certain amount of nitrogen that the plant is going to, that the plant can utilize. And, you know, we've got the growth probability model to, to look at for things of that nature. It depends on your genetics. All of those kind of come into play as far as what, how much in you need to be applying. My advice there, and this is not going to help the homeowner crowd out there, is that uh, apply the amount of nitrogen you know your turf needs, right? And if you've got, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, how about that's for such a cop out? 
it is totally a cop out, right? And uh, I don't want to be a uh, uh, Matt. Be the uh, way you want to be. Go to the go to well, Golden Crown. Be and, the way you want to be. And let me tell you the way I would do it is I err on the side of high nitrogen, and 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 that's that's just the way I do. I if you took a a lawn program from Ray and you literally went the opposite direction of it, you would see what Matt Martin does. It's just, it is too totally opposite. I chase color with nitrogen. Ray does not, right? And that's, it's just the way we we manage sales. Ray's gentle on zoysia grass. He's got to cut zoysia grass. He's got to make people happy with zoysia grass. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I treat it like a damn, like I'm a, a, a horse jockey out there whooping up a horse in the middle of a Kentucky Derby kind of thing. You know, I, I spank the holy hell out of it and then deal with the aftermath. And so anyway, it, you, you, I don't know, you know, Cleveland lawn care, you know, like the back of my hand. If I had to guess, you're probably somewhere in that three to four pounds in range. And you I, could I, easily... I am. I'm like right in the middle of that per year. Yep. yep. And so you can do your load in your fall. You can do your one app in the spring. And then that frees you up so much of your budget. And well, maybe not budget because you're going to blow a significant amount on this product, but it frees you up from a labor perspective to do the other types of things that you want to do. Exactly. And, and, and those things are stuff that my customers want me to do. That I, I, I'm just married to this, to rocks. I'm married to rocks all season long they want more i want to put in more lawns i'm pre uh, pre pre-buying seed because of the uh seed disaster in washington and oregon and uh so i'm putting out money and i'm buying seed now that isn't going to go out until next year and i one thing about the 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 idea of doing this is that august I have more time to, to to put lawns in because you know I still I'm I'm still eking out uh, color. I'm you know the lawns are going to be color. We'll run through them. We'll keep them you know tweaked. Um, but I see so much efficiencies built into changing this whole idea. I've got to get out there, got to get out there, pound it again so that the mower guy can come and hate me in two weeks. And, um, you know, it's why I kind of, you know, there just isn't a whole lot of information anywhere about this method of doing it. But, you know, you you said it last week. You got to plan. You guys have to think different and plan different on your nitrogen uh, because it's just getting more expensive. Labor's tighter and more expensive. So efficiencies are, are kind of where I'm thinking I need to be in the future and, and still deliver that beautiful green and maybe do it a little bit more, you know, uh, best practices. Agreed. I, I think there's uh, there's different schools of thought and i think that you know commodity lawn care and the way that it's evolved over the last 40 years right is really a dinosaur you know it it really is (laughs) in terms of agronomic practices best practices you know um 
from an environmental fate standpoint, and that's the first thing I want to show you. So you know, the, the first question I'd ask, number one, is are we irrigated or unirrigated? Because that's going to dictate a little bit of maybe the programs that I would look at uh, in the here and now. So first, J-Pink, throw up the uh, the second photo that I sent you, and let's look at that one first. All right, so this is from uh, a paper. and It's been an ongoing research project now for better than 20 years. I don't know if it's still going on. The latest report that we have from it's from 2018, but this is Dr. Kevin Frank up at Michigan State University. He took over this research from uh, a previous professor that was there. And what they were looking to do is in a home lawn situation, right? We put under we put uh, turf under a high-end regime, which the first uh, five or six years of this study, uh, it was under uh, five pounds per thousand at the high rate and two pounds per thousand at the low rate. And so here you can see this is their data from 2006. This is a few years after they made their switch. And what they found initially at the five-pound rate was that they were getting way too much leachate, like on the order of 10x leachate that was coming through uh, into the lysimeters that they used to capture this right below these plots, right? And so what they did here was they labeled the sense. These are radioactive isotope. They take it and they label it so that they can come back and find it in, in the plant and in all these other plant parts here. So what this is showing us here, right, is that at the high rate, so this is the four pound per end rate on the right, two pound end rate on the left, okay? Look how much more is in the soil, right, number one. Look how much is in more in the leachate. We're still 10X on our leachate here at the high rate, and that's even after bumping it down by an order of 20%, okay? So we're capturing more nitrogen in the soil, right, at the low rate of two pounds. Now what Frank has postulated and what he's found is that the older the lawn gets, right, in terms of age, the less nitrogen it actually needs. So where you have lawns and maybe mm. some of the older subdivisions that were built, you know, say 95 or before, there's a very good chance that even if, you know, somebody wasn't doing a whole lot to that lawn for some or all of that period, that it's likely that, you know, after maybe a, a short period of acclimation to, you know, fertilizing it again, if it hasn't been fertilized or as you assume control of that lawn, uh, as the contractor there, it might not need your standard program where, you know, you're thinking, hey, three, four, maybe a little bit more pounds of N, that might not be in the playbook, right? So from a best practice and ecological standpoint, absolutely. You know, uh, Dr. Frank here has proven, right, that we look at this in a long-term study, a truly, like, this is decades long now at this point, the data bears out that there's no financial, ecological, or agronomic benefit to increasing or having high rates of applications of nitrogen, okay? So that's just what the data bears on. Yeah. This is the best study that we have to look at these long-term. And so then you start dividing and subsetting out your lawns from a standpoint of how old are they, right? How long have they been established? So just because the house is in 95 doesn't necessarily mean the lawn's 25 or whatever years old. You know, somebody could have redone it at some point, whatever the case might be. But with age comes, you know, less nitrogen that's needed, Okay. So and then, that's and, an and you're saying study. this is at, at five years. This is, is uh, it, is 2000, this is 2006. I think they started initial applications in 91. I'll send you the link to the paper. The 2006 was published in the USGA, USGA green section. He had an update in 18. That was in a periodical. that doesn't have a whole, as much data in it. So, and what, what I'm asking is when you are segregating your lawns by older and newer, how are you defining older lawns? Is, is that five years? I got to go back and I got to go back and read this, but I want to say okay. that somewhere about 10 years, right? Eight, 10 years was sort of the cutoff there of what okay. he said. Don't quote me on that, but 
I've I've read this several times over the years. I want to say that number jumps out at me. Read the paper. We'll link this up in the show description so you can take a look at some of the, you know, the, the year by year. That's kind of the nice thing too is that he put out updates on this, you know, basically every other year more or less. So you can really kind of follow along with how this ebbed and flowed. It's not like you're just reading an abstract at the very end of this and finding out what he thought over the course of that that time. Okay, so that's number one. So that's why I'm thinking about age, right? It's going to dictate some of this. And we'll, we'll get to the point of this, like the meat and potatoes in a second. So go, Jay Pink, go to that second one, right? This is from our good friend, who we don't know and have never talked to in person, but just fanboy over, Dr. Bill Kreuzer, who I don't know where he got this from. It's in a PowerPoint that he's done and given several times. I've actually watched him give this one, but I don't know where he cites this from. But it is an interesting slide. I've always come back to this, right? So if you take a look at this, Dave, the point is this, if mm -hmm. we look at the bottom here, we look at this x-axis, so he's using a, a, a product that would be a 400 in terms of ratio in PK, 410, 403, 413. The whole point here is that as you look at the tissue, like the dry weights, if we were to tissue test, just like you used to do back in BioPro and really look at, hey, what is actually in the plant, right? We look at this and across a range of different fertilizer regimes, right, in terms of what we're supplying on an annual basis, and look at what's in the uh, T Jesus T <laughs> leaf tissue content. Man, that was I don't know why it was such a tongue twister. But anyhow, look at the changes of the differences. Right, there are none. So yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting study here in terms of if we do have adequate phosphorus and potassium, which are good friend, uh, Mister Mrs. They Them. I'm not sure what pronoun I should be using for uh, Turf Truth advocates. <laughs> We should, we should, we should ask Turf Truth what the, what pronoun they would like to have. Uh, that's an important <laughs> distinction right there. I'll just what use the same now. word, pineapple juice. Yeah. Pineapple, <laughs> pineapple yeah. juice. Centipede. Pineapple juice. Oh, God. <laughs> Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> did you do? I was not expecting that, and it shocked me. It, it shocked literally me. sent it's an electrical signal up my spine there. All right, go ahead with like this, this is a good point, too. Like a nine volt on your testicles. There you go. Um, so <laughs> the whole point here, Dave, is that, you know, especially this is what we were advocating for in burner return on our last episode is that especially going into 2022, right? That in, in, yep. in most, especially if you're going to advocate a program like this, right? That um, one, you're not going to find a one and done that's got any P in it at all. It doesn't exist. Okay. That's number right. one. Number two, the the amount of potassium that you're going to have in those products maxes out just because of physical constraints of the bag at 10 percent right some of them will be zero i think i don't think i've ever seen anything other than zero and 10 in those bags for whatever reason just based on um different products that are out there so all that being said right is that you can use those subsequent apps if you decide to do a one app program with your n right at the beginning of the season you can sell customers and look at this and say, okay, hey, if there is any remediation to do in terms of bringing soil levels up, whether it be PK, uh, other macros or micros, you can use those times, right, to apply that and attack that as opposed to just Ray's favorite, like the, uh, what, Ray, the 25-5-10, you know, a little bit of the true green special out there, just slinging it all day, every day, like hotcakes, right, Ray? Yeah, yeah. With, without P, regard to... Yep. Yeah, low P, low K, just uh, everybody gets the same, and it it, mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense when. It's the prison my question breakfast is, of fertilizers, Ray. The prison breakfast. Yeah, everybody gets the same thing. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. what if 
Yeah, what if, in fact, you don't need the P and the K because you have good soil? Then you're just wasting money. Then you're just wasting money. And this this chart here, or this graph here, just illustrates that like none other because I know 413, that is an expensive analysis yeah. to buy, right? It's It's super expensive. So... If you don't need it, why do it? Well, and that's getting and, back you know your, your sixteen two four or whatever you're using right now. I'm not indicting you yeah. or you know judging you at all, Dave. It's just more of are you especially going into twenty twenty two? Are you spending money that you don't need to spend? That's my you know I, that's the question I, I would have for everybody. Think, I kind of think I uh, yeah I, I I'm. That is one of the, you know, the the big shift for me is that this it, call it one and done. There's a lot of different ways uh, to yeah, look yeah, at yeah. it. Is I'm 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 going to go out with my base coat and my prodiamine and spend the rest of the summer making sure I'm doing the most, other than being married to rocks and bags. Yeah. Two thousand two thousand heavy poly bags that can't be recycled that fill dumpsters. I mean, that's just, I, I'd rather be spraying, you know, <laughs> buying a little water and putting some goodies in it and making reactions on those stops. But generally, uh, you know, a good turf grass is going to respond well to a little bit of micronutrient. Uh, it, it, it's going to be enhanced. That color... I'm basically feeding chlorophyll. I want my chlorophyll to be nice and happy without the big, uh, you know, uh, growth surge uh, that comes with it. And in looking at that, the, the chart on a 413, when I did my tissue testing, what I kind of came away with from all those years is grass basically gets what it wants unless you screw it up and force too much at it or or you know on the opposite end not feed, feed it at all but you know if you're kind of somewhere a general program you're going to see the phosphorus you're going to see the potassium um my big thing with greens was how much the usga pushed potassium in sand-based greens. I mean, it was just ridiculous. There were uh, never catch oh, I'm up. Trying to ever. think of the ratios. What's yeah, that? You would be you. Yeah, you'd be you'd see ratios, especially when you were doing it. You know, twenty or twenty-five years ago. Yeah, it was not uncommon to see ratios of one to three, one to four, even recommended. Right. So exactly. one to two is a one standard. Three, was a, one, one to two four. is yeah, one to two is a standard recommendation, especially on calcareous sand here in Ohio. Um, but yeah, you would see some ridiculously high, and you'd never, you'd never, and, ever, and, ever, ever get there. And what so, it would do to some of the other macros, like calcium and magnesium, if you were pumping the, uh, you know, monovalent potassium, the plant took up potassium, and at the expense of the calcium and magnesium. So I'm like, whoa, 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 chill out a little bit, and uh, supplement it. And then if we did kind of just general, uh, you know, if I stopped in a 
mom and pop golf course and had a talk with them and said, let's do a little tissue testing um, where there was no advanced, you know, um, feeding other than maybe, you know, a bag of Scott's uh, ProTurf, uh, you know, a couple of times a year, you would see a plant that looked like this chart. It was getting, it was taking up what it needed, you know, from mm-hmm. the system. It found it. And uh, so, I mean, I think that chart's the whole amazing. argument of uh, locked up versus unlocked nutrients in this this chaps my ass. I and this is this is something I get I get real hell bent on. Um, I do not like the term locked up nutrients, but there's there's a reason why it is valid in some instances and it's not in another. Case in point, if you are applying a soil applied micronutrient mix and are expecting the micronutrient color response from it, and you're applying something in a locked up form like an oxide the plant is not going to go deficient because it's in an oxide form but you're not going to get the micronutrient color response you're looking for because it is in a quote-unquote locked up form right or it's like another one of those instances where for the most part if you do have adequate soil phosphorus even though it may be tied up as calcium phosphate even if it may be tied up as ferric phosphate or whatever the case may be the plant and the, uh, the the exudates from the roots will find a way to take that material up and avoid those deficiency symptoms. Um, mm-hmm. You know what? But real quick, for the and Matt, I'm going to tee you up on this one because I know you want to talk about this and explain <laughs> it to both Dave and the group. But I think people might not know what a one and done is. So I'm going to quickly explain that and then allow you to explain how the nitrogen process works. So there are products that, oh, in the last uh, 12 or so years, let's just say, have become, I wouldn't say in vogue, but have been offered up as a solution, right? Um, Both for labor savings and a variety of things, right? That they've been marketed in terms of claim benefits and everything. And it's utilizing uh, a certain type of, uh, or a couple different types of, Nit- slow-release nitrogen technologies. And Matt's going to touch on those here in a second. But the idea is, is that you put these applications out on cool season grass, and you, you can use them on warm season grass as well. And legitimately, they will last somewhere between uh, as little as 45 days, 90 days is kind of common, 120 days, up to 180 days, right? So imagine if you had a cool season lawn, and I told you, hey, I'm going to give you this product, and you're going to put this out in April, right? And you could legitimately not put any more nitrogen out the rest of the year and probably be okay. If you, if you didn't really want to push your grass too hard and you're okay with just sort of a, a basic maintenance level of nitrogen, let's just say. Okay. Now you can come in on the backside of that and supplement it, you know, especially if you're using like a 120 day product, which is fairly standard, you know, in the market or even a 180 day product, you can come in and do, um, you know, sort of the end of the year, not necessarily like Thanksgiving time here in cool season country, but, you know, late September, about till now, you know, mid-October-ish, uh, and do, you know, your final app of the season with uh, your nitrogen of choice, okay? So it's a labor saver in one regard because you're taking basically three or four apps and combining them all into one. You're putting out nitrogen rates somewhere between a pound, maybe a pound and a half, maybe up in a bit. Some of them will allow you to go up to uh, two pounds even, 
depending on the product and the release characteristics of it. So with that being said, that's why we're talking about this, because what Dave is trying to challenge and say is that, hey, the traditional uh, six re week release, you know, products that Matt talked about in the beginning with, you know, an XCU or something like that. That's bunk. I don't want to go out there every six weeks and just throw stuff out there. So, Matt, why don't you talk about how it's a little bit different with this nitrogen source and how it works relative to some of the other ones we've talked about already? Yeah. So the one I'm going to talk about now, and I'm going to kind of throw uh, a, a curveball out there, and that is going to be nitroform. And mm -hmm. nitroform is a very insoluble uh, urea formaldehyde. So think uh, like a methylene urea of sorts, right? But this one is extremely insoluble. The advantage of this product is it has an extremely slow release rate, right? If that's if that's what you're going for. Um, still going to be a similar release mechanism through uh, 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 soil microbe mineralization, right? It's got to uh, break that down, consume it, and release the little bits of urea at a time. Um, but this just happens so incredibly slowly. So you're talking about a product that this is ideal for a six-month release or longer, right? Six-month, eight-month, 10-month, even 12 months. There's even some instances where I've talked to some old uh, golf heads in Kentucky that said they weren't seeing response from it until the second year. That was where they finally started wow. to see see their response from it. So incredibly slow. Now, the caveat to nitroform and J Pink, if you want to throw that up there, it's just got some statistics about uh about nitroform. Um, the caveat to nitroform compared to some of these uh, extended uh, uh, polymer coated ureas is that nitroform is not known for color, for whatever reason. Though it is a slow release, though it may release on a relatively similar uh, uh, release curve as a uh, as a PCU, as a PCU 180 or something of the sort. For whatever reason, I'm trying to find that image from University of Auburn that did a color uh, analysis, turf grass color, which is it can be relatively su uh, subjective, you, you know. It, I don't think it was done on NDVI. I think this was a, a hand uh, grade. But for whatever reason, nitroform is not known as a color producer. So to kind of circle back to the one and done type of product that we're in lawn care, we live and die by the color of our grass. I think it eliminates nitroform from being one of the potential options in this scenario. And I think it definitely puts a, a one and done type product with various uh, uh, ratios of different uh, duration products back on the pedestal. And it's the optimal choice in this scenario. So um, anyway, you, where I'm going with that is that your idea of using a one app product versus one of these more niche uh, products like specifically Nitroform uh, is, uh, is, is probably the better bet. Yeah, and, you know, the, the coating technology, and basically they coat, that there's layers of coating depending on what your duration, you know, you, you want. I want to, if I want a six-month duration, I think the one I'm looking at is three times through the sprayer. 
uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, so and, it is, and a, it is what, what's called a, a reactive layer coating, right? Where they spray a catalyst okay, yep. and another product into uh, a, a tumbler of sorts. And as these two chemicals come into contact with one another, uh, it forms like it, it, it polymerizes, basically. And that's how the polymers. Polyurethane. Polyurethane uh, is yep. being formed on top of the granules, right? Yeah, and so that's why there's a part A, part B, and the thickness of that polyurethane shell determines how fast or how long correction how long your actual release rate is going to be, but that all is dependent on that granule not being broken in any way, shape, Damaged. or form. Damage. Damage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that's why, for example, in my market, anything slow release is as good as a thirty day app. <laughs> and yeah, but it's got to travel to Hawaii it, too, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's as good as a thirty day app. So, and the thing is, is that if it is not picked up by the grass catcher, which is on. 99% of all mowers here, uh, it is then cut by that mower. And guess what? Your coated urea is now broken urea. Urea. It's urea. Yeah. It's it, it's, it, it, <laughs> it needs to go into long turf. Uh, long turf. It needs to drive itself down. Uh, I mean, I, I've got real concerns about using it. it. The application accuracy scares me because if you're a little off, like you're you're making a, a corner, you're coming around a bend, and you, you know, or excuse me, a bed, and all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're just not putting that distribution in in certain places on the lawn. Guess what you're gonna find out in in two months, or if you mm -hmm. you know over apply it in certain areas, you could end up with a modeled mess for six months. It's a big concern of mine. That That's why you should get a permagreen. It, Let the permagreen do the work, and you just be the uh, 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 excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, let the permagrain do the work mm. and you just operate the machine let the machine get the product where you need it I, I mean I'm ser seriously considering uh, cutting and and going two different directions but now we are extending the initial application time probably two months to get this first app down I've missed my crabgrass window. I, I I I do have. You know, I may try this as a trial to make sure I, I understand smart. how. What's that? I think that's smart. You're trying on ten, twenty yeah. properties, and and wrap yep. your brain around it. Watch what happens, and then you know, give you a data set to determine whether or not it makes sense to take it to scale or not. Yeah, because running. I mean. Spring apps are insane. We all know that. We're we're trying to beat the clock, and uh, um, you know we're rushing to get down our pro dime. 
basically. I mean, that's what we do. I'm looking at a clock, and I want all of those apps done by May 8th. And so the idea of using, you know, basically how many bags? You know what? Uh, Bag-wise, it's, a, it, it, you know, on a 40, 40 zero, zero. Bag-wise for me, it isn't that many bags, but just getting that accuracy, not slopping your way through edges and, you know, let's face it, some of these properties are really complicated to get perfect accuracy. There's so many obstacles and things you got to get around um, where you can get away with it when you're, you're when you're doing it five times a year for year after year. I know places that I may have missed on a nap. It doesn't matter. I've hit that area a bunch of times. There's so much residual. There's better rooting. There's more cycling in those areas. All my lawns even out, even though, you know, if I didn't get a perfectly accurate app, this is different. This is a totally different game to me. Yeah, you know, I don't know if... It ultimately comes down to comfort. And that, that may be another thing you see too by putting this on 10 properties is you, you start to feel comfortable with the application method, right? And you don't feel the need to cross hatch, you know, each of your applications. And then, you know, now you're back to your standard time of getting everything down in a in a optimal time frame and you know you're you're done with it. Yeah, I'm not and yeah, it was freaking out about nothing. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? It came out. I don't see modeling. And on on my yards, like I say, I've had these customers a long time. Uh, they basically, as soon as they green up until the snow flies, they're all pretty much the same color throughout the lawn. And uh, I, I probably, if I wasn't perfect, um, it may not show. And if I'm going, if I'm going to come back in five weeks and hit it with colorant and, a, you know, maybe a little bit of foliar nitrogen, I figured on a, uh, on the app I was going to run, I'd be about five hundredths of a pound release a week of nitrogen. Five hundredths of a pound. That's six months pound and a half of nitrogen and uh plenty of opportunity to you know if it's if it's falling a little bit behind if i'm not real pleased that when i pull into the uh pull up the street i can add a little bit more of nitrogen for one thing into that spray program um, the the one thing about pounding away at it like I do is when I show up to do an app, it doesn't look like it needs an app, and that's how I want it. Right? Yes. All right. So let's let's Abs- talk about the ec- ec- oh, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry. Yes, that is uh, basically uh, you, you make a very good statement uh, in that if the turf doesn't look like it needs something then you have done your job and that is uh kind of how i i do things as well is that by the i tell people 
if you can see it before I do, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, and the hardest thing to you do, you know, and Ray, that doesn't is nothing. Sometimes, go ahead, go ahead, Dave. All right. Well, you know, I mean, this is all grass type, ideal grass type. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, we're we're in a very dry. We have been in a drought. The spigot shut off the end of July. We have been in two and a half months of drought, and uh, most of you know the r- old residential lawns um, uh, have big oak trees and creeping red fescue. There is nothing you're going to do to it. You're you're not going to do anything with fertilizer in those old creeping red fescue lawns and oak trees. They are parched. The oak trees stole all the water. And that plant is shut down. We won't see it green up until spring. And so this is all kind of, you know, this this goes to the grading system. Matt, I think you brought this up last week. You you to to kind of categorize your properties where you're going to utilize these uh, expensive nutrients. That's these higher costs. You know, do you sign up? Someone that's got an old, just terrible mix of grasses from 1940 and sell them five applications when you know by the middle of the summer that lawn has shut down, we're not going to see it look nice until spring. And that's how a lot of my lawns are. Not, well, just a lot of lawns in this area in general. Sure. So, Matt, what if I told you? But the price to go out with a one and done product, it's got prodiamine or you know dithiopure on it, is going to be. Let me look at this. What I calculated, about sixteen dollars <laughs> and fifty cents per thousand. It's going to get you a pound and a half in. In a single application is going to be sixteen dollars per thousand. Sixteen fifty six, if you want to be exact. See, that's that's going to blow out my budget for the year. Yeah. Like literally I can't I can't well I, I couldn't if I was doing eight applications, like I would net zero. I would lose money on the year if I was doing eight applications. <laughs> you know, two dollars a thousand square feet is about max of where I can run on average per application per year, not including seed, right? But just a standard application going out making a treatment 16 you know two dollars per thousand per app say i'm doing eight apps that's 16 dollars per thousand square feet that i can be at at max on average through the course so how do you price now this is this is a high volume you got to think like this is you know typical high volume type type lawn care though right which is where i feel most comfortable and familiar with now let's put it this way let's say it does cost Hang on, let me break out the calculator here. It costs sixteen dollars per thousand square feet, right? And we'll say I'm doing six applications a year. That's two dollars and sixty six cents a thousand, right? And uh, and say I need that to be at twenty percent of my material cost in order for me to be profitable on the year, right? So uh, we would need to I would need to price that by by five approximately. So. I would be I would need to have my prices somewhere around thirteen dollars and thirty-three cents per thousand square foot on average across the total square footage of what I treat. That's not extreme. 
you know, one hundred and thirty dollars uh, and one hundred and thirty three dollars for a ten thousand square foot lawn application. You know, if if I'm only going to treat 50, 60 lawns, then, you know, I can probably find those 50, 60 customers that would pay that amount. It's not going to be I'm not going to be able to adopt the true green marketing uh, method of, you know, hey, first app, half off, last app, half off. Uh, here I'll do I'll do your twenty five thousand square feet for a hundred bucks, kind of sort of thing, right? And you have to be very true to the way you budget, and uh, and when you do show up for a five thousand square foot lawn, you know, eh, well, what is that going to cost? You, you got to get seventy bucks for it, and and that I mean I think that's doable. That's a hundred percent doable. I've sold them much higher than that before. Uh, take take a hundred and let's take a hundred and because I. My phone is my calculator, and <laughs> I can't do this. Take uh, 160 divided. Wait, let me think here. 45 times 3.5. What is that? 157.5. 157 and a Okay, half. so that is six months uh, or six months of base coat nitrogen and your prodiamine on one acre. So look at those numbers because those are the numbers I'm working with. So that's $3.62 like per thousand. And, uh, and I, yeah, I mean, if that, if the, if that gets you through six app five, we'll say that takes you through five applications in your last fertilizer round of the year, you know, you apply ammonium sulfate at back to, you know, a, ha- back a half to pound in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could just get straight ammonium sulfate twenty one zero zero. Apply yeah, it a half yeah. pound in two, you know, two two and a half pounds a thousand, and that's going to cost you, you know, we'll say roughly thirty dollars an, an acre. You know, so now you're at ninety cents, right? A thousand somewhere around there. And uh, so on the year in terms of fertilizer here, uh, plus ninety, you've spent. Uh, oh, I no, I did that wrong. Uh, plus. Point nine three point six two plus point nine. Now you're at four dollars and fifty two cents, you know, per thousand square feet, and you've got you've got a budget that's going to allow you to go to twelve. Now you've got seven dollars and fifty cents per thousand square feet. That's not allocated for anything that you can allocate for your broadleaf weed control. You can allocate for whatever else it is you you want to do out there, right? For your micronutrient uh, sprays that you, that you want to do, you got ample money there. You can run a a, a good uh, foliar, uh, you know, sulfated micronutrient mix for cheap. You know, we're talking 40, 50 cents a thousand, right? So yep. now we're in a completely different ball game of that makes 100% total sense. Let's play ball. And I have, I have yeah. more energy and I'm able to react to my customers. You know, it, we haven't even talked about bringing a fungicide program into my world and uh oh. you know that is okay. part part of the seven dollars that that this is extra money but exactly i'm ready yeah, yeah, to yeah. i'm ready to bring a real high-tech fungicide program into my uh a category lawns because i think they you know we taught matt you and I talked about the uh, me being in the transition zone this summer on all my tall fescue lawns I've planted and how I don't like that anymore. 
and, and, and we're not going to let that happen again. And um, so without, like, changing the subject too bad, uh, what what do you, what experience do you guys have with the chemistry from BA, the intrinsic chemistry from uh, BASF? The oh, uh, yeah. okay, Klaustrovin. Klaustrovin. Oh, Klaustrovin. Klaustrovin. Oh, okay. Talking about this last night. Okay, Klaustrovin. That is what I call premium disease control. Because, mm-hmm. Dave, this was me 20 years ago, Insignia DG. Okay, yep. that, was, that, was, that was one of my foundational products. Uh, Insignia plus Subdue plus 3336 or Eagle. That, that, was, my, mm-hmm. that, that was my go-to fungicide uh, you know, reactive treatment if I'm dealing with disease and I didn't prevent it. And fast forward to now, I'm a big fan of what's called lexicon intrinsic. Yep. Le- and what? Yes. And what? Yep. And you know what lexicon is? Of course, that's a paraclostrobin suspension plus uh, an SDHI fungicide to cover the dollar spot. And for me, Lexicon has a special place in that I call that part of my emergency kit. It works that well. Okay. When you need a fungicide and, you know, your, your tail is on the line, Lexicon is one of the things that I think about. Well, I've always, I have used fungicides. I've got a couple of properties. Um, that I do a program on. I've always mm-hmm. exclusively used the Pillar G product mm. because it was just, I oh. keep a couple of bags in the truck. It, it was emergency product. Keep a couple of bags okay. on the truck and if we had to jump into it. And, uh, you know, so I know, <laughs> go ahead. Can okay. we, real quick, can we get Ryan DeMay's uh, statement on granular fungicide real quick? I gotta, yes, I because gotta I'm thinking it. But, uh, I'll just put it up on the screen. But, Hang on. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, do you want me to say it out loud? Uh, <laughs> I mean, either or. Whatever's, whatever's easiest for you. Because, go ahead, go ahead uh, talk for a second, Dave, because I got to make sure Dave, I say it correct. Yeah. The way I even... The way I even operate is such that if I need to have a specialty mix for five or 10,000 square foot of turf, that mm-hmm. is not an issue for me. It's, uh, it's very easy for me to do that because I'm basically mm-hmm. set up to deal with it. It's not like I have a 500-gallon tank of a non-applicable tank mix that I got to use up or I got to add to, or I got to finagle to make it work. I can literally make up a 5,000 square foot batch and get it done. So that's how something like lexicon becomes very, becomes very cost effective for me because people often ask me, 
how can I afford all of these like extremely expensive products? And the reason mm -hmm. why I can afford them is because I'm not mixing up all five acres worth of it and wasting, you know, most of it. It only comes out when needed and I measure down to the, the milliliter. So it's only where it's needed, when it's needed, and as it's needed. Well, I I want to switch. I, I'm re, I'm kind of fascinated about the plant health response of uh, pyroclostrobin. And I, I it's actually just not recently. It's, go ahead. And it's actually not just the uh, you know. The fungicide itself. Uh, yeah. The not the fungicide BSF, itself. BSF has added something to it that apparently is a SAR, you know, elixir. It and is. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And likewise, Dave, yeah. do you know what else yeah. goes in my tank mixes nowadays if I'm spraying fungicide? Tell me. Beer. Signature stress guard. Okay. And you know why you yeah. know why signature S stress guard? SAR. SAR. SAR and also uh Ryan, tell me what you think yes. about people that suggest applying strobilurin fungicides for Piscium. Tell me what you think of those people. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, let's start with what is your statement on granular fungicides? Um, let me make sure I read it correctly. Granular fungicides are like sheepskin condoms. You know what you're supposed to do. You know, geez, I screwed it up already. I got to start over. Can we cut this? All right. Yep. Granular fungicides are like sheepskin condoms. You know, it's supposed to do the same thing as what you should be using. But you're so preoccupied with it not working. It's kind of difficult to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so here, here's the poor genius. I know. For me. I know you know. I know you know. So here's what we're going to do to help, right? Let's talk about what we can do to help, okay? So you want to run these, you, you want to run these different products, right? Uh, you asked the question, how do I feel about people that want to treat uh, Pythium with azoxystrobin? The same as I feel that people would say, Oh, you can cure dollar spot with azoxystrobin, and we know that that's not true, and it actually can enhance that disease, right? So, if it we can study make it worse, and, yeah, <laughs> we understand, you know, good agronomy and the research that's gone into it. We can we can make those suggestions and steer people clear. Insignia, though, that was one of the you know the nice things about it when it first came out, Ray, is that they marketed it as a strobularin that actually had suppression properties, right? Suppression activity on dollar spot very weak but they were able to claim it on the label and there was some evidence to suggest that they yeah that did it did a little bit right so but, but it ryan, was hot to trot but ryan i would never trust one of my lawns to just marginal suppression from pereclostrobin in those days i always did a hot mix consisting of either 3336 or eagle with pereclostrobin before yeah. they came out with lexicon. I mean I didn't so, I didn't leave it to chance. Yeah, so the lexicon, you know, when you when you add in uh I'll just use the trade name for right now, 
exemplar, right? You take exemplar mm-hmm. and exidia, you mix those together, you get lexicon. Okay. Now, Dave, I can see the benefit for you, right? And having those two products because you could be really strong. Like, I mean, it is going to be very difficult to find a prepackaged chemistry that's that strong to put out in your toughest of times, right? The good mm-hmm. and the bad, right? The good and the bad. The SDHI in that particular case is really only going to suppress dollar spot. It's super strong in dollar spot. It's pretty okay on most other things, right? So the other thing that you run the risk of, just like the strobularians, right? The QOIs, they have an insanely high um, susceptibility to resistance, right? So you don't want to overuse oh, yeah. those and you want to be careful. So, you know, if, if you, there, but there is also some synergistic effect there with those two together in the tank. Now, the last thing I'm going to say too on price, right? Let's just price this out real quick. I wa- I'm, I'm rounding up here a tad, you know, maybe 20 bucks or so, but. That's going to be, well, where are we at here? Sorry, I missed the decimal point. All those damn mundane details. <laughs> Matt Martin, Matt Martin, cover your ears. Only Ray and I, only Ray and I are going to feel comfortable with this. Yeah, $11.47 a thousand for Lexicon. You are now, However, in, the champagne, you are now in the champagne room of fungicides. You are not out on the main stage with cinnamon and Macy with three E's, you are now in the champagne room. Okay. <laughs> this is However, <laughs> yeah, this gets real. However, Ryan, Bristol. we've been talking over the, over the last several weeks about what it costs. Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald. They're all there. They're all working mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. They can't watch the show. They have to watch it on tape. Ladies. How are you? Yeah. Go on. Yeah. But, but Ryan, Weren't we just talking in previous weeks about how grass seed is expensive and difficult to get a hold of in some cases so that if your lawn perishes from disease, it may be expensive and hard to recover from because it's not like the old days where, oh, so sorry, your lawn died from from disease. Let's just... uh, Go spread some seed on it in the fall, and uh, we're all good again. Whereas for me, good I don't point. know what my pain point would be for for fungicides because eleven dollars per thousand square foot, Ryan. You know how much eleven dollars buys me of grass? Uh, two two square feet. Two two square feet exactly. <laughs> Well, so, so that's that's the other thing here too, and this is another messaging thing, right? So we've talked about you know a little bit on the fertilizer side of like on the from a business perspective, you got to get really smart. From a best practices pr- perspective, it's going to make total sense that you can sell and say, "Hey, I'm just trying to be more uh, ecologically responsive, whatever the case might be, to not apply, applying P and K if I don't have to," as we referenced with the Croizer stuff. But on the grass seed front, right? This is this is um, you know the hardest one to change, right? Eh, maybe eh, it's the hardest one to change of the disease triangle, right? So, right, Ray. So we need host, we need a virulent pathogen, and we need a susceptible environment, right? Now, environment, maybe we can change things. Maybe you know, Dave, you're talking about the oak trees. We limb those up. We get some more air movement in there, so on and so forth. Pathogen, maybe we can knock it down suppress inoculum you know with different applications at different times of the year to suppress that to a a threshold that is economically and commercially acceptable but 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 and matt martin has seen this right 
choosing better grasses that have better genetics is going to be the key there, right? I just posted this on Twitter a little while back. It was said by uh, a good man here who runs one of the bigger sod farms in the state. The cheapest, or excuse me, the, I mean, I'm screwing up all the good quotes tonight. I'm killing myself, right? The most expensive supply that you will ever buy for turf grass is cheap grass seed. It's the truth, yeah. right? If you don't have the it, if you don't right. have the genetics and the chop, you're going to spend a boatload, right? Uh, in Matt Martin terms, a metric thrust ton of money to take care of said grass that is cheap. So I think that's another thing from a selling point is, yeah, we are the most expensive seed game, aeration and seed game in town. But you know what? We're using grass seed that checks all these boxes and is high quality and is going to withstand and survive this. So we don't have to use this eleven dollar and fifty cent. Uh, thousands you know that's just your cost right that's a i don't know what kind of an app is that to the customer i mean that's a hundred dollar app bucks a thousand right? yeah bucks a thousand yeah i mean so it's real easy when you start doing the economics like that to say hey let's just take an acre right i can spray your lawn one time for 500 bucks an acre or i can seed it one time and that'll last in perpetuity as long as we keep it alive and take care of it for five hundred dollars an acre with quality seed, which would you prefer? Ryan? You, you you nailed why I don't have extensive fungicide programs uh, because I had abundant availability uh, availability of turf grass seed. So if it was bad, I did not want my customers chasing bad with good money. Absolutely. And it was e easier to just say, hey, look, this is not a good mix of grass. I will replace it for you. And um, so what what has happened in the turf seed market, uh, you know, and I I got to spend a week up the, up, up in the uh, for metalist seed, and I got to see how they did this. And it was, it, it, it's really a fascinating oh, yeah. uh, dedication that the seed market uh, has put into the genetics, the finding it, finding plants out in nature, producing, uh, bringing them back to the shop, watching them, letting them produce a seed head, taking those seeds, producing a little tiny plot. I mean, it's just fascinating. To see what has happened the last two years uh, up there is just, it, it's kind of personal. It, it's devastating. So now I'm looking at the, these lawns that I see load up with uh, red thread, May and June, and then go to hell the rest of the summer, uh, and, and unless we're having abundant rain. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to put some crop protection behind them. And that's why, you know, this uh, pyroclostrobin, this this plant health SAR response, I finally tracked down uh, one of the people from BASF. He's retired now, but he was on the ag side when this was introduced in ag. And they produced higher yields that weren't fungicidal reasons. And so they studied it, and what they found out was this molecule was affecting, and when they brought it into turf, it was affecting the crown of the plant to reduce the respiration process. 
to keep mm-hmm. the plant from consuming itself, consuming its carbon uh, during the hot summer uh, respiration processes, uh, a cooling of the plant. And I'm still waiting for all that data to come in. He He's going to send it to me. But that compound is doing more than protecting the plant. It's it's helping the plant in in ways that other compounds that I've never heard of, um, you know. So that's why I'm 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 kind of pointing my finger. I want that chemistry in a fungicide program on some of these on uh, certainly all my tall fescue yards, but some of these other lawns that can get a little fussy. And and uh, so that's why I brought the whole thing up to see if you no, guys knew anything about this. Yeah, it's it, you're you're exactly right about you know the the changes that it elicits in respiration, right? And some might say that's part of its SAR response, right? So again, for the mm-hmm. folks listening at home, right, we have two different processes in the plant that are going on at all times simultaneously, right? Photosynthesis and respiration. Photosynthesis is the production. Of carbohydrate reserves and respiration is the consumption of high carbohydrate reserves. If you look at the bimodal growth curve, right, of cool season grass, right, so it grows a lot in the spring, ties off in the summer, you know, it doesn't die off, but slows down in the summer, picks back up in the fall, right? That's a function of weather, first and foremost, but in these high temperatures, when these physiological processes slow down, what we're talking about is photosynthesis yeah. slows down and we're not producing as much food as we're consuming, right? So that's why we get a sloughing off or a dieback of roots and roots shrink up closer yep. to the top. So that's high soil temperatures. I mean, there's not a bunch of other reasons, but that's the main one, right? So if we have something available to us that can slow it down, albeit temporarily, that can help. And so that is the rub of the whole thing, Dave, that I worry about for you is that, you know, even if we get in and I, I haven't sitting here jabbering and, looking at a couple other things here um, relative to our conversation. But, you know, the thing that I worry about from a just a scheduling and a workflow standpoint is, you know, to me, it's hard to just pin a date on the calendar and say, yep, you know, uh, June 21st, Father's Day weekend, we're going to go out and we're going to make that uh, Pyraclis driven app. It's not always that way, right? Especially up there where you're at, you know, it could be, like you said, it could be dry for a few months and everything's fine. Or, you know, the fronts are coming right across the lake and you're getting, you know, showers after showers after showers. And that's just the way it is. And so it's tough to sit there. And I don't know how you plan that from a workflow standpoint. That's the one part I couldn't tell you from a a super high end lawn care other than a a business model, unless you had so few customers and clients that it was easy to pull off, you know, one and go do that (laughs) when you needed to leading into it. I know that's not feasible. I know that's not feasible. So. Let me look real quick. Insignia. I'll do the math here for you real quick while we're talking, but go ahead. Did you have a question? No. Okay. Uh, what, so, do you, what, what do you think about this? Well, you know, we've been, I am fascinated with this whole, uh, uh, SAR response and the activity on the, uh, you know, reactive oxygen species that kind of take place with, with, uh, particle strobin and then, you know, the, you know, what we were talking about just, just last night, seriously, at one o'clock in the morning, Demay and I were texting back and forth about, um, a new one from BSF, uh, Rivitech, right. And, uh, it contains a, a new, um, uh, 
active ingredient that they have that's another DMI. And supposedly there's some sort of synergistic effect with the uh, pyroclostrobin um, that is, you know, really advances. And they're seeing, you know, mega one duration out of the product and also uh, big yield increases in soybean that the only thing they can attribute it to is the uh, reduction in, in respiration rate. So there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot going on there. Now, what I would say from a lawn care perspective, it's way overkill way overkill um <laughs> you know it's it's awesome and that's top of the line unless you're rare eye yeah you know if <laughs> if i just did a two and a half million dollar install and was growing iron cutter bermuda in in canada i yeah three, i get it i get it if it we'll if it costs apps. you i mean yeah if if it's if it's you costing four? you know eleven dollars a thousand who cares? Who cares? You've got a two and a half million dollar investment you're worried about here, right? However, no. if I've got, you know, uh, an $800 seed job that I'm worried about and I want to maintain it and I know, you, you know, about what the genetics, genetics are going to give me, then I'm going to back that down. And under no circumstances whatsoever, am I going to spend that kind of money? Should I? Mm-hmm. I don't see the necessity for it, even from a must, like in order of, of magnitude of protection here. Um, would I definitely not because it just far exceeds anything that I would ever consider from a budgetary perspective. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to go with uh, tried and true chemistries that are easily available, that are generic and uh, are going to cost me fractions of that. What do you Pyrac say, Ryan? by itself. So is a consignia, right? you're looking at a price of about six dollars and eighty cents per thousand. About two ninety six an acre. Drop in the bucket for Ray and I. No problem. We got that folded up well, in our sock right now. And you see or folded up somewhere in the champagne room. The uh the thing about Praclostrobin is number one, it does not aggravate dollar spot. It doesn't necessarily control it, but it also doesn't aggravate it. And I kind of leveraged that in my favor because, you know, October for me is the cusp of disease hell. I'm right on the edge of disease hell. So I'm literally, you know, almost there as far as disease pressure goes and what I get hit with starting November, December, January is Rhizoctonia, Dollar Spot, and Pisium. But (laughs) Insignia is just a, was a foundational product. And then in the last few years, these chemical companies came up with all of these good premixed products that combine like a SDHI fungicide with a strobilurin or a strobilurin with a DMI. And, you know, I swear by them because they can work very well because I feel almost like I'm kind of a beer fanboy right now. Careful how you say that. Yeah, I, 
but but it's true because let's see what do i have on the truck right now exterior stress guard uh armada uh signature stress guard and of course uh dialogues and uh merit for uh the creepy crawlies <laughs> Yeah, so, all right, and y'all tell me this. In terms of dollar spot control, is is Propiconazole not performing anymore? DMI resistance is absolutely a big deal. Like, if you if you are not seeing results from that, I absolutely encourage people to send it in for a $100, $125 test at the most. Send it to NCSU, send it to Rutgers, send it to Missouri. Uh, any one of these labs can be able to tell you if you've got DMI resistance. And if you do, then even at $70 a gallon, you're stupid for spraying it because it ain't going to work, nor is any other DMI. So I would caution people that if you are seeing that, right? Stop spraying respond. it. Yeah, just stop. And, and at least, you know, if you think you do, it's worth 100 bucks to find out. It's worth a gallon and a half of product to find out if you should never, ever spray it again. And uh, the other uh, other little factor to inject in is what does propiconazole potentially bring with it at times when the turf is already stressed, stunted, and shut down growth-wise? Growth regulatory effects. But in turn, dollar spot season, though, is going to be kind of during uh, vigorous growth. At least and- where, where I am, it's... It's dollar spot is chooching in that in between of spring leading mm, late spring. I'll say late spring before before brown patch season hits. Could be totally different up there. I don't know. And propiconazole by itself for dollar spot is a loser. In is my it? Mind. I don't yeah. see. I don't know. I spread a lot of dollar spot on golf courses, boys, with all kinds of different stuff. That was <laughs> cheapest of cheap to the most expensive, right? You know, uh, and I've succeeded more times than I failed, but I'm probably like a 300 lifetime hitter on killing dollar spot. So, you know, that okay. would put me in the Hall of Fame in baseball. Golf course superintendent, eh, you know, you do what you got to do. You get I, by for a little end at it. It'll be fun. I have, you know, I have, I have a pretty high kill, kill rate on uh, dollar spot myself, but. I I kind of go old school in that I don't necessarily gravitate towards the latest and greatest DMI when I'm dealing with dollar spot. I like thiophanate missile quite a bit. Uh, uh, I mean, the, the stuff that I want to use is not legal on residential lawns. So that's the other thing, too, is I'm coming at it from a completely different perspective. It's not even legal on most well, sports fields. So, you, I mean, that yeah. is, that's something else, too that you know you're gonna see and you're gonna continue to see is that a lot of this new chemistry comes out you're not gonna see a ton of it that's labeled for residential you're just not because and, uh, it's not worth spe- the pain agony and the limited you know uh, revenue that they're gonna take in go ahead ray i'm sorry i interrupted yeah because uh i know what dmi chemistry you're talking about that uh bsf release and Navicon and Max Tima just came out. So it's a DMI yeah. without the growth regulatory effects, right? So that's right. the next generation is that we still have, you know, demethylase inhibitors. However, 
they do they do not the new ones here do not have uh that same effect yeah and, and there's a couple other ones yeah, too so, that I'm, I'm gonna go shit i mean look no metrifluconazole is not you know allowed anywhere near a residential turf site anyway and i i would imagine that bsf is thinking why should they bother oh yeah why why should they bother i mean uh but uh on the other gentlemen go go ahead right go ahead i was just going to say we're going to have to run this wrap this up we're moving in on two and a half hours here so uh we're we're going to move to the show after the show yeah so uh so yeah there there are other dmis uh but just know what you're getting into when you use them because i'm also fond of another dmi that do you know why i like it longevity and that's the precise reason why the epa hates that one is because of its longevity And that would be your good old Billiton. Yeah. Yeah, because Billiton is uh, something that I'm very familiar with. I know it's very effective, but uh, it was brought to my attention that it's on the EPA hit list. Oh, yeah, it's going to be gone. It'll be gone after this year. So, hey. Dave, seriously, uh, we could. I'm sure we could sit here and rap all day. I think you're definitely a prime candidate to come back on here at some point, maybe this winter. Rap oh, this cool. a little bit more because there's definitely yeah, maybe I can a lot more figure out how to run my computer. Yeah, I I would love to get back on there and uh, as I continue to uh, dig into all of this, you know, like I say, this is how do I run better in the future? You know pure selfish reasons how am i going to do this better and uh i really appreciate the time and uh what what you guys were able to contribute um you know your thoughts on a different way to provide the nutrition basically provide green healthy grass like i've always done without all the rock all the just being married to that the entire time and uh so i appreciate your input on that absolutely absolutely yeah all right we we appreciate you we will definitely have jay pink reach out to you and uh about getting you rescheduled because boy we could we could really do another deep dive on fungicides because that's it's just a whole nother (laughs) chaotic can of worms and also, it too, is. I'd like to talk about it from the business aspect of what the business, you know, uh, uh, looks like as this type of company, right? And that's yeah, a whole another segment we could do. And I think I think that's one hundred percent worth a visit, especially for people um, people that are in Midwest or cooler type climates that could take advantage of these types of situations. All right, everyone. Hey, man, we're, where are we? What? Go ahead. Where are we going to be next Thursday? Where are we going to be next Thursday? Next Thursday, we are going to be live. At the Green Industry Expo, we've got, listen, I'm telling y'all for the first time, Ray and Ryan, we've got some special surprises that are going to be coming up. God. Um, and I can't, I, oh man, I am so pumped. Uh, so anyway, all of that's coming up. We will be in Louisville. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. Uh, I think this, the show is completely sold out at this point. 
Um, mm -hmm. We will have instructions on where it will be, how to get there and all that fun stuff coming up. And, uh, and of course, we're going to be doing a private AMA for, uh, uh, for all the patrons. Say, thank you so much for the support because that's what allows us to continue to do this. Uh, so that way we don't have to uh, hawk a bunch of granular zoxystrobin at you in claiming that it will offer any kind of positive benefit on Pythium. So, Dave, thank you so much for being our guest. Gentlemen, thank you so much for helping guide this along. We're going to move to the show after the show. If you're a patron, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a channel supporter, you know what I'm talking about. We will post a link over in Dirty Deeds if you'd like to figure out how to get in on that. This is going to be grown men talking about grown men things. If you're scared of bad words or dirty jokes or any of that sort, it's not for you, and that's 100% okay. If you're into that kind of thing and are looking for additional content, head over to patreon.com forward slash burn and return. And for the cost of an airport beer, you get to participate in this. And uh, we're going to have a good time. Everybody, thank you so much. We'll catch y'all on the flip side. <laughs>